0: One, two, three, four. Hi everyone, I hope you're having a good week so far. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode, but a little bit of backstory was, This was the second time we recorded. Andreas was so nice to just want to record again. So we recorded the first time and I tried to upgrade my system. I was trying to get a little bit more professional with the recording. So I purchased Riverside. And if you're a podcaster, I'm sure you've heard of it. And for some reason, the audio came out just so bad. It was clearly on my end. There was a function. And during the entire interview, there was a sound, but I thought it was just on my end so i didn't say anything and he also thought it was just on his end so he didn't say anything And at the end i was like this is too bad i am not doing him dirty and making us sound just terrible so i'm like can we please record this again and he was so nice to do it so um, this will be the second time and i just want to give an intro on andreas because i didn't do it in the interview but so he has so many different passions and interests i don't think i've interviewed someone like this but i first met him because he's also a dog trainer so he trained our dog toffee and he did golf work he was incredible he's also an artist he's an actor photographer entrepreneur he's the founder of mud lab Um, it's in Vancouver it's a pottery studio so you can take classes there I found our conversation really interesting we dug in really deeply into conversations and relationships and because he has so many interests in his life whether that's acting um his business and dog training he just meets a bunch of different people so i was just curious how he kind of brings those together and how he develops friendships because he's always so busy doing a lot of things so i really enjoyed our convo i hope you guys enjoy um, if you like that please subscribe um, leave a review on apple Podcasts or spotify that would help me so much and then if you want to keep in the loop of what's going on day to day follow me on instagram at well podcast let's get into the interview okay so Like the last interview, um, this is the second time recording this. This is totally my bad. I'm apparently terrible at audio and everything like that. So I want to start off again from the childhood, but I'm curious to know um, how your family and friends would describe you as growing up, and then maybe how like strangers and new people would describe you as.
1: Um, That's a good question. Um, I think growing up, I was pretty um, super hyperactive, you know, like definitely kind of classic ADHD sort of kid. Um, always like needing to do something, always, always getting my my uh my hands and stuff getting in a lot of trouble at school. Um, so I think people would have definitely described me as a kid as like mischievous, um fun loving, active, but um uh with a good heart. Like I wasn't I wasn't a malicious kid, but I always got myself into trouble. Um and then I think um yeah um now i think strangers who meet me they find me very very approachable very friendly um i really enjoy like meeting people and chatting and kind of facilitating like a fun conversation um so people often think that i'm very like warm and and welcoming when they meet me at first so yeah
0: yeah yeah and i can agree with that um <laughs> is there anything in your teenage years that you think affected or influenced your life today so i know that's kind of like a loaded question so you can be as light or deep as you want um mm-hmm. so for example for me um not to get too dark but when i was a teenager my dad suffered with a lot of depression still today yeah. um and as a teenager i just like didn't understand mental health i just mm. couldn't comprehend i didn't understand that it wasn't his fault or anything um so now it makes me much more aware and I have a way better relationship with my dad because of those years and I'm thankful to have gone through that even though it wasn't the best time. So Totally. For you, did you have anything that affected or influenced your life today? Um that's
1: interesting because my, my dad went through quite a bit of depression as well, but I didn't I didn't really notice it. I noticed it, but I didn't notice it until till later on. Like I looked back and I was like, "Wow, dad actually went through some some serious dark times." Um and my brother who is a couple years older me was like, "Yeah, he came home one day and my dad was just like lying on the floor, looking at the ceiling and didn't get up for like hours, that kind of stuff. And I never really like picked up on that. So as a kid, I was definitely, I was definitely um, aware of a lot of, of things going around me with my family life, but I was also quite just like hectic and all the things that I did, all the sports and the athletics and stuff like that. I think um, one of the things that definitely shaped me um, from my teen years was kind of like the the friendships and relationships that I had with people that, um, quote unquote, like, let me down, I found that a lot of people in my life when at a young age, sort of, um, I had a lot of friends that I thought were good friends and turned out to not be, or, or people would show me, I would expect them to do certain things as a friend would, and then they wouldn't. And it, it kind of jaded me a lot towards people. Um, and I had a lot of, a lot of issues, like in my, in my kind of mid twenties, um, where I, the second anybody showed me any kind of sign that they weren't reliable, or that they were going to potentially do something that um, brought me back to that feeling of like, yeah, like, I can't count on that person, I immediately just like, did one of those to people. Um, And that was you know uh, to me i've thought in the, in, the, in the at the time it was like oh it's a great way to kind of protect myself from from crappy people and and not like be let down or, or 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 make sure that i'm i'm you know building relationships with people that are, are reliable um but ultimately it prevented me from having any meaningful relationships um and it it took me a little while to kind of like sit back and realize wow i am also letting people down i'm also not always reliable i'm also doing all these things that i you know would immediately you know cross somebody out of my life for and there are a lot of people in my life that have given me a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness for those things um and it wasn't until i had a a handful of just really good people in my life that you know showed me like hey you know like we accept you for who you are um we love you and and you kind of you need to choose to do the same thing um so that was that was an interesting point in my life where i had to really realize that like that way of living and being jaded and carrying on all these sort of like issues from past friendships or whatever into new ones is is not a way to 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 build relationships. Um so I think that was probably like one of the one of the major things that that definitely shaped me mm-hmm. in my and, high school years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what about now when you're building relationships, friendships? I know that you've got like I guess different areas of your life. I know they're all connected but like with Mud Lab, with acting, I'm assuming it's like different groups of people that you're meeting. So how do you like build those friendships and relationships?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because doing so many things and being so involved with them all like i i kind of don't half-ass anything i'm, I'm very like if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it so i get to know people quite well in all those settings and it's funny i was, I was literally talking about this to someone yesterday like i as as like quote-unquote popular as i am like i have a lot of friends and a lot of people i know i don't get a lot of like hey we are doing this hey come to dinner this hey da da da, da, da. Um, but when I meet people and, and I'm spending time with them where I'm, what setting I'm in, it's, we have such a great time. I'm, I'm so, you know, close to a lot of people that I work with either in, at mud lab or with acting and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's almost like I spend most of my time with those people in those settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of those, some of those definitely bleed bleed out in, into, into, you know, everyday life and we have dinners and stuff like that together, but I I don't have many surface level relationships in the sense that i um I, I go i go to a place beyond just kind of like uh just just getting to kind of know somebody a little acquaintances here and there the people that know me in these settings know me quite well for who i am um but i often feel like those relationships kind of stay in those settings a little bit but they are they are deep relationships i feel like at least um but it's, it's tough because you you when you do so many things, you can't just spread yourself thin, right? You can't have all these commitments all the time and outside of work and outside of acting and dog training and, and mud lab or whatever, you know, I need time to chill out and I have other things that I got to work on and stuff like that. So I don't have time to socialize a lot outside of what are the things that I do. Um, and I think people kind of understand and realize that as well, because, uh, you know, I'm all, I'm crazy busy, but, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I think about that often where it's like, do I have many meaningful relationships? So I have things that are, are extending outside of just the work or the things that I do. And, and I do, I have a handful of really good friends. And then within these places, I, I think I have really healthy relationships with people that I consider really good friends and that I could call upon at any moment if I need to and vice versa. And, the, and that does happen. So I think that's a marker of, of a good relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about specifically with acting? I feel like there's a lot of maybe stereotypes of the industry and what it's like. It's very cutthroat, maybe competitive. <laughs> are there any myths that you want to bust or, it, or does it actually kind of like that?
1: You know, it isn't. It isn't. It,
0: it's like anything you do in life, you are gonna get good and bad people.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And you're going to get people that are, are in something for, for the wrong reasons or have personal stuff that they bring into whatever they're doing in the work environment or in their social environments. Um, Acting is a, a funny thing because Um, it kind of breeds this sort of, um, level of insecurity in in people because you're constantly being, um, yeah, it kind of breeds like this level of insecurity uh, because you're constantly being looked at, or, you know, uh, you're close to booking a job or you're being critiqued or you're being turned down and that kind of stuff. So, so I find that not necessarily, is it that like, oh, there's a bunch of people who are crappy people that become actors. I think a lot of times, uh, people who have any kind of hint of insecurity, it, it get gets brought out a lot more in these settings, and then you mm-hmm. find that that kind of bleeds into how they just interact with the world. Um, and and like I have met some of the greatest people I know uh, through acting, and some of my best friends are, are actors. Um, And then I have also met some of the worst people in my life through this industry, 100%. Um, And that, you know, can't necessarily just be said, Oh, because it's the acting industry. It's because, you know, you, you, you're often, you're often convinced people often convince you uh, that there's something they're not because they're good at that. Mm. They're good at pretending they're good at faking. Um, And so it, it can take a little bit more time to kind of pick up on things that that are little, you know, quote, unquote, red flags of like, hey, this person might not be how authentic they're presenting themselves to be. And I think that's been the hardest thing for me to kind of decipher whether or not people actually have good intentions or whether or not they're just putting on a good face and they're being friendly in the moment or whatever, or they're kind of doing something to, to make you think that they're friendly or they're this or they're that. Um, and I find that in the acting world, it's hardest for me to kind of assess that, um, whereas in other social settings, it, you know, unless you get a narcissist or you get someone who's, you know, has some sort of personality disorder, generally you can get a pretty quick, That's ah, it's not my person. I'm not like, let's be friendly, but I don't need to. Whereas in the other, in the acting world that, you know, a lot of times people are, are very quick to kind of, you know, be overly friendly, overly, overly nice, just because they know that that's, looks good. It's part of the, part of the, 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 the set life to be friendly and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit tougher to kind of decipher that, but um, yeah, you get good and bad people wherever you go
0: right right and you talked a little bit about insecurity so with acting you're on camera a lot of emphasis on the way that you look mm-hmm. what do you like even just insecurities and have to be the way that you look maybe just like the way that you're acting or whatnot how do you kind of deal with that if, if you don't struggle with it that's great but
1: yeah um i i love acting i love what i do i love mm-hmm. being a part of this industry i've been extremely lucky a lot of people tell me that i'm um you know got in a great time i've been lucky to to um to get on all these projects and stuff like that. I work really hard. Um but at the end of the day, like this is not everything to me. Um and I think that kind of keeps me grounded in the sense that like whatever I do, whatever I'm part of, it is just kind of what it is. However it gets put out there, however people perceive it, there's just zero control I have over that. Um and so, you know, early on when I started, it was like I really want to do this, I want to, you know, achieve this, I want to achieve that, and I had all these kind of like visions of of where I want to go with it. And and when you when you have a lot of expectations, or you have a lot of things you're holding on to, um, and you think this one project is going to be like this, or this one scene is going to be like that, I'm going to look like this, blah 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 blah, and it doesn't happen, you're you get let down, and then then you constantly feel like you got to you know achieve that level, and and you now you're insecure because you think people are judging you based on that thing. For me, as bad as it sounds, like I I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that I, I love what I do and I, I'm proud and I want to keep working hard to, to do what I do, but like, I let it go. Um, and that's taken a little bit of time. And that also is just something that I've worked hard to do in my life in general is to learn to just let stuff go a little more because I can really like get stuck and caught up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's, that's like the only thing that keeps me grounded in this and, and stops me from being insecure um, and getting caught up on like all the rejection or all the turndowns or the, the failed callbacks or the holes that didn't pan through, all that kind of stuff. It's like, hey, this project comes, do my best, put it out there, are people perceive it, it is what it is, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Be a good person, show up, do your work and like nothing else is in your control. Um, but that's, that's hard to, to, to actually grasp, um, and, and, and do that efficiently because you can say it and have your little mantras and post your Instagram memes or whatever. But if you don't actually have something that grounds you in that, you're never going to actually be stable in that. So, um, that's really the only way that I kind of fight the insecurities is is that I just really don't care.
0: Right. That's smart. And what makes a good, uh, like project to you? So what roles are you looking for? Um, is it like, do you also look based on like the director or producer or whatnot so yeah i'm just curious to like what your process is totally
1: um i have i'm only kind of now at the point where i have done enough work and done enough significant projects that i I can kind of understand you know what a good director is what good writing is you know how how uh producers and stuff have put together a project in a meaningful way um and you know, in terms of like what kind of roles i want I'm, I'm cool to do anything like i i love comedy i love doing you know um ridiculously goofy stuff but i also love doing real serious drama and i love doing projects that have a, a purpose and a meaning um and maybe have a little bit of grit to them and, and tell tell a real story um and and so i don't have like specific projects that i really want to do but at the end of the day like it's about sorry boogie's barking come here boogie it's about um doing projects with people who are passionate about what it is that they're creating, because I've done a lot of small parts in TV with directors who are just there for the episode and there's a paycheck, right? It's a resume booster for them or whatever it is. Um, and you kind of feel that and you, you don't really um, feel like you're there to put together some some good work and to, to make something meaningful. Um, and it's rare, it's rare to have a director um, and a, a director is, is kind of your, your partner when you're an actor on, on set, you know, you have other actors and stuff like that, that you bounce stuff with and you work together and that makes or breaks scene. But if you don't have a director that can facilitate a good, a good scene or a good, um, uh, bring, like bring something out of you in a meaningful way, you're screwed really because because you, you can have a director that's going to tell you to do it this way or do it that way, you try this line or and they just kind of over direct you or don't get you to a place where you're actually involved in a meaningful story or or, or presenting a character or presenting some sort of um you know a, a scene essentially in a way that is has a depth to it beyond just like say the lines um, that's, that's kind of, I've found that more rare than when I do find a good director, like it impacts me significantly. And I carry that through because they'll, they'll help you break down a scene and they'll help you break down a script in a way that you may not have seen. And they'll get you to understand things a bit better, um, in terms of like what the character might do or what the writing is actually saying, or what the setting is actually how it's impacting you. Um, and that just makes you a better actor. Um, and then having a director that lets you kind of play um is such a cool thing when they say you know let's try it this way and try it that way and then they say, okay i want you to to just like do what you're gonna do i like this thing that you did over here let's go and just have fun and just lets you like bring you to the table that's the greatest feeling as an actor is when you're actually just like in it and doing it um so i, I love working with directors who, who bring all those things out in me and then yeah. in the whole set you know the crew and all that stuff too so yeah
0: Yeah, I really like when some actors become directors or they, like, switch roles because they have a better understanding, I guess, of, like, being in front of the camera and then behind. Do you see yourself ever being behind the camera or Mm -hmm. just being in front?
1: I'd love to. I'd love to do uh, more... um on the uh, behind the camera side of things. Um, I used to do a lot of videography and and make short videos and things like that. Um, And so I I do really, really enjoy that. Um, Now that I'm in the industry a bit more and and I've worked, I know how technical uh, things are and how much info a director needs to know beyond just like, oh, I want the scene to look like this. Um, And so that kind of intimidates me a little bit um, because maybe I I think that I have some sort of an artistic vision or I think I have some sort creativity to me, but can I really, you know, do that on, on a set with, you know, Potentially fifty to one hundred people around me that are relying on me having a good understanding of, of like all the working parts mm. um, is a bit intimidating in, in on that scheme of things. Um, so I'd love to be able to to start my start with maybe a short film and and you know have have a friend that maybe co write something with me or or that I have somebody that I'm close to a script with and then I can really sort of um, do it from the ground up with that person would be would be super cool. So yeah, directing and then producing as well as is, is a side of things that I'd really like to learn more about because um it seems like a really cool way to kind of um you know bring projects to life um through through um you know producing and and, and bringing people together and there's just so much involved in that side of things that i don't really know about but i really want to know about so Mm -hmm. in time in time i'll I'll get there slowly so
0: yeah i think that's a common challenge not just with acting like having a vision and communicating it properly like for example your business mudlab like you have a lot of moving pieces and you have instructors like if you weren't able to communicate it properly I know it's very different from acting like it could have gone completely sideways I think a lot of people struggle with that
1: yeah in different it, careers, right? it's it's the hardest part of what of you know what I do here at, at mud lab especially it um been the biggest learning experience because I I'm not i I think I'm a good communicator but I'm often not you know, I often don't say things the way that I should have, or I don't convey my expectations properly, or I have too many expectations and all this kind of stuff. And um, that's been the biggest challenge in this business has been like people management. And I say management in, in the sense that it's more collaboration. Um, and and that's been hard because it's, it's I have to be more self-reflective. Um, it's not hard because these people are hard to manage. It's hard because I don't have the skills to, to uh, properly, you know, Get these people in a in a position to be able to succeed in in whatever way that they're best at, um, and I may put people in boxes or, or or do things a specific way that I think are the best, but it doesn't actually get these people to succeed as as good as possible. So that's been my biggest challenge mm-hmm. is facilitating that, and it's hard, it's hard, but it's rewarding when you know when you kind of get better at it and, and you yes. work with good people. And I'm extremely lucky because we do have some amazing people here, um, and it makes it a lot easier to. They have a lot of forgiveness like a lot of mistakes and a lot of failures and people are still here and my employees and my volunteers and my teachers are, are still here and they're still working mm-hmm. with me and that's a, a really good sign that that things are, are you know going in a direction that that works so yeah
0: yeah it seems like a beautiful space i even saw was it yesterday? A friend of mine, Iman, she went with like a bunch of her girlfriends. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, they all. Came and it back. like,
0: it was all over TikTok too. Yeah. Obviously, I cool. follow her, but I saw it and I'm like, oh my god, this is doing really well. So Sweet. that was really cool. And I'm I'm curious to know, like, on the behind the scenes of like the Pottery Lab community. I don't know what that's called. Mm-hmm. Is it close knit? Because I know there's a lot of different pottery studios all over Vancouver. I've been to two different ones. One where it was like just one girl it was like in a small studio where another was with like an older man who's had a business forever and is a very yeah. different experience so
1: totally. what is
0: the community like
1: back there? um yeah that's, uh, that's an interesting one because i you know i started in rec centers um in in north vancouver at the uh, delbert rec centers where i first started mm-hmm. um and then i was down in la and i worked out of a studio there um and then i came up here and i started teaching a studio one of the bigger studios in town here and um i learned a lot about the industry about um how to you know build a space and and do classes and stuff like that from all those places because i picked up different things everywhere um and it's become such a trend lately to do to do pottery and to do ceramics um that's a good thing and a, and a bad thing potentially too in so some ways right anything that kind of goes through the rinse and wash cycle can kind of get done out and and businesses can fold when the trend dies and stuff like that but um you know it's it's interesting because i am a very um upfront person I don't I don't hide much Uh, what you see is what you get and I find that whenever you're doing business and whenever you're building relationships, you know, you have to be like that. And you have to be upfront and honest. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of right now because of pottery being um, popular and 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 trendy, there's a lot of studios popping up. And so there's a lot of this feeling of competition. There's a lot of feeling of like, Oh, this studio is doing this. The studio is doing that. And we've noticed things too, you know, like, We've noticed that we may post something and you know, next week that studio is posting something the same or very similar and vice versa. And we did something and then we're like, oh crap, like we didn't notice that they had already done that exact thing like a week ago. And and so there's a lot of crossover and there's a lot of this feeling of like to me, when I got into it, I thought there was a pretty like strong community and people were like collaborative and everyone wants to have a good time. And 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 I kind of approach this like that, you know, and, and me and um, Vin Aurora, who, who works with me here, um, he's really well known in the community, he's a great guy, and he's got a lot of good contacts, he's really well respected. And so we kind of approach this as like, hey, let's just, let's do this, have fun and open our doors to anybody that wants to be, you know, having anything to do with us or wants to get to know us. Um, but we weren't necessarily met with like the same kind of thing from the other side. Um, and that's fine. Um and maybe you know from the other side they're looking at us being like who do these guys think they are opening up this you know what i mean so it's interesting because it's it's a creative outlet it's a creative thing to do and there's a lot of room for collaboration and i think there's enough you know i think there's enough space for multiple studios in town to, to to be creative and do their own thing there's no need to copy each other but there's there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of kind of like feeling of of increased competition um and i think that also people understand that like this bubble might pop at some point um and so everyone's trying to get as you know as as much of it as they can or get as big as they can so they can sustain themselves because there's a lot of small studios right now um and there's a few that have gone like really hard and opened up some some in a big space with a lot of equipment and and you know it's it's tough to to sustain a business like that because you know as as expensive as pottery is from a consumer perspective it's, it's very expensive from a, a business perspective and if things go south another pandemic or something like that there's going to be a lot of trouble so
0: so from all the different studios that you've like worked at taught at whatever what was like something that you really wanted to change and have a different at Mudlab? was there anything in sp- like particular that you're like i want this i want us to be like leading in whatever area.
1: yeah um just like a like a space for people to come and and like legitimately just feel free to to create you know um because i've been in various studios where you feel like oh that thing that i made like didn't line up to the you know standards of whatever's going on in the studio or that like Mm My idea of what I think is gorgeous or cool is, is not according to this person or this group right. of people. And, and it it prevents you from actually like exploring and being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, When I was down in, in LA, like I was at a studio where it was 24 hour access. You pay, it was pretty expensive. You pay a ridiculous amount of US dollars to, to have the, the key to the studio, but you just come and just make whatever the hell you want. Everyone mm-hmm. left you alone. You had a great time. You come at three in the morning and you started to meet people and, and get a community. And like I did the best, my opinion, the best like, individual work that I've ever done there. Um, and then I kind of brought that back here and I was in the studio. That's a beautiful space and stuff like that, but I didn't feel as free. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, create a space here where anybody with any style and any aesthetic can come here and sit down and feel like I belong here and I feel comfortable here. Um, and that's tough, you know, because we, we all have, we all like, uh, you know, uh, look at other people's work and we compare ourselves and all oh, this person throws bigger or that person throws whatever dah, dah, dah. I want to be like that. But like, that's just part of the process rather than it feeling like it squashes you. It, feel, it should feel like it motivates you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what the idea of this space was to, to, to a create a place that I want to come and work in and I like to be here and I want to make stuff and feel creative, but also that other people can share in that joy that I had when I first started pottery. Cause I remember how amazing it felt just to make the crappiest mug. Mm -hmm. like i still i still remember that then my mom has all my mugs and to me they're some of the best work i've ever done and they're shit you know what i mean um and so i want people to come here and feel that and and Mm -hmm. i i didn't feel that at at another studio that i worked at in the past um Mm -hmm. and and uh, that's part of the big reason why i kind of made this place was was to to bring that so Mm
0: -hmm. i love that like i as i mentioned i went to one pot or went to two pottery studios and the first one the experience was like was not great at all like it was a lesson and the guy literally made it for me I was -hmm. like trying to just hopped in and did it all and I was like yeah "Yeah, I just paid for this lesson but you did everything for me so I think the space and the people really like make the experience even though like I maybe pottery is more trendy now but if you're seriously wanting to get into that like if I just had that one experience I probably like probably wouldn't wouldn't
1: continue Yeah and and you know that's again like having having been through so many different studios and gone through different classes and taught at a few different places like I've mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough and I've taken a lot of feedback here like our classes now are nowhere near um or that they're, they're sorry they're, they're way better than than they were when we first started like like mm. we have progressed so much and i often feel bad for the people who took our first like <laughs> round of classes because like i just i've changed so much and taken so much mm-hmm. feedback and that's the thing is you have to be willing to take feedback um and when we do these like one-off parties so, like your friend and mine when she came here um you know there was like four of the wonderful wonderful ladies that came in and they were all excited to do pottery and have a good time and and i kind of was like hey listen guys this is going to get real you're going to get your hands muddy and like, you know, so all your cameras and all your stuff, like you're going to have to just put that on record because you're not going to be able to touch it because we're going to actually do this. And it, they were all kind of like, oh, okay. Like, well, what? like what's going to happen? And then, um, they all made those bowls themselves. Sure. I helped them in terms of like facilitating them. I showed them where to put their hands and I kind of guided them, but like they made these beautiful bowls over there pretty much by themselves with my guidance. And, and like the first time I tried pottery, I couldn't do anything. I, I like the teaching and the instruction was, was so not intuitive. Um, and so to be able to go to a place and do something for the first time that is historically, everyone says it's freaking hard and you're not going to make anything and actually succeed is incredible. Um, and so that's what we want to do here. And, and I, I think we've, I think we've come quite a ways to sort of make that happen and I'm pretty proud of that. So, yeah. Yeah. you got to come by and try it?
0: I was just going to say, um, <laughs> I feel like Jordan's going to be way better than I am. He's like way more creative, but like, we'll definitely, we'll definitely go.
1: You'd be surprised. Um, it's generally I feel like my hands,
0: I press so hard and it's just like, I'm like, it doesn't
1: do anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we make the clay a little softer for the, for the first time or so it's a little yeah. easy to work with. But, um, you know, I always find that it's, it's the people who are the most, um, willing to like slow down. They're mm-hmm. the ones that are most successful. Um, because you go too fast in pottery and you, you, you blow through a step or you do something that you can't really, it'll it'll affect the rest of your pot
0: mm-hmm. um and
1: so the people that just like are willing to take the time take a deep breath and just move slowly are the ones that are generally more successful the <laughs> ones that come and are like ah yeah i'm doing this well uh, they're the ones that like end up like going too big too fast and then it, it yeah. breaks you know and stuff like that so you'd be surprised i think you'd do just fine
0: all right fine i'll come
1: <laughs> yeah you should we got some date nights uh we might have some spots left if you and jordan want to do some together yeah, we'll chat after I can maybe get you in. We'll find something for you. So. Sweet.
0: Um and before we get into rapid fires, yep. I need to ask about dog training because for sure. last time I forgot and this is so cool. Um so I want to know maybe like how you got into it and like where you're at now with dog training.
1: Totally. I so when I was a kid I really wanted to have a dog. Um I had I had like my mom would buy me these kid, dog puppy calendars every year and at the end of the year I'd cut them up and make posters all over my wall and crap like that. And I I had like stuffed animals and dogs and all this stuff. Um but I couldn't have one cuz my mom had a daycare. Um and so it just wasn't realistic to have a dog in a, in a facility where you have, you know, she had the daycare at home and a daycare somewhere else. So it just wasn't an option. My parents were not dog people. They never had a dog. So I um kind of would just like be the neighborhood dog kid and I would knock on people's doors and be like can I take your dog for a walk and I would just you know get to know all the dogs in the neighborhood and take them for walks and and I would dog sit um and these dogs were like for the most part pretty not well behaved um pulling you on the leash you know like barking this and that And, and so I started having to figure out like okay how am I gonna you know I gotta spend two weeks with this dog house sitting how am I gonna you know, get this dog to, to, you know, work with me here. And so I started like reading on dog training and trying this and trying that and super basic, like things to try and get them to sit and down and stay. Um, and so that just kind of like sparked this interest in, in, in dog training, because I realized like, this is psychology. It's not, it's not about, Hey, do this for me and I'll give you this. It's, you know, some form of, of psychological, um, manipulation to a degree, but it's more like, how do you how do you get into the mindset of this animal that is going to get them to understand what it is you want them to do and why it's beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. And, and so once I started approaching dog training from that perspective, I started having much more success. Um, and, you know, it was funny because I, I, I just realized this the other day, I was thinking about, you know, cause we had this, the, the podcast, we, we chatted a little while ago and, and I was thinking like, what was it that really got me to, be like i really want to do more dog training and it's something so stupid my buddy dan anderson um i was at his house and he had two you know labs um and he said to the dog he said go to bed and the dog walked and lay down on his bed and i was like you know 16 at the time and that just blew my mind that that dog understood that and and i was like like your dog knows to go to bed he's like yeah of course and so from then i was like i need to figure out how to how to do this because that was remarkable and something so simple. So um yeah, and then I I I started like uh when I was down in LA, I I volunteered um my my training for um a really, really aggressive uh Doberman that had a lot of issues. Um and that was the hardest dog I ever had to train up to that point. And so that really got me um to kind of like another level of of understanding like there's this there's a seriousness of dog training and a severity because it it can get quite dangerous. Um and so I kind of like quote unquote, cut a little bit of teeth um, learning with that dog. Um, and then I brought that back here, started working with Love at Last mm-hmm. um, and then really like getting into some some serious cases for for dogs that were, you know, abused, neglected from the streets, whatever, trying to get adopted or have been adopted. Um, and I got a lot of really intense experience really quickly from that organization and their dogs um, and had quite a bit of success with, with helping them and training their dogs. Um, as you know, they gave some good feedback, I think, about me. So that's kind of why we work together um and just from there it just kept building and uh mm-hmm. where i'm at with it now well i've got boogie who's currently sleeping beside me which is good <laughs> um and uh you know i i don't i don't advertise my services i've, I've asked love the to last to, to not send me out they just send me out with their package and say we have a resident trainer or whatever mm-hmm. um but i take on clients that that get in touch with me through people that know me or have worked with me and that um you know, I have a, have a good understanding of what kind of training I'm doing. Um, because I spent a lot of time trying to help people or talk to people on the phone or train with people that, that don't want to do any work themselves. Mm-hmm. They want you to fix their dog. Um, and that's a real quick way to kind of get frustrated and kind of burn out a little bit because you, you're not having any success. Like I can, I you give me your dog. I can train your dog you, in a week. You're going to be calling me like my dog's doing this thing again. And, and I started getting a little bit frustrated with people because I'm finding that people are not, are not willing to put the work in. And so when I, I think when we spoke and I texted you or called you, you called me or whatever, I said, I'm going to be training you to train your dog. And you need to understand that, like, you're going to have to do a lot of work. You're going to have to change a lot of things. And and if that's not the the training you're looking for, then I'm not the trainer for you. Mm -hmm. So So. I approach everything with that now. um, And that weeds out a lot of people because when you say that for a lot of people, that's like, Oh, well, I don't actually want to do the work. I want my dog to do the work. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I train a little less now, but I train with really good people who have success because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just crazy. The communication, just what I've learned, like through you and like through through a rescue dog, I feel like it's just like, as soon. I think the first session when you had, um, Toffee and just like the way that you communicate with the dog right away, like you just met her, but it felt Mm -hmm. like it was a different language. I'm like, this is so interesting. It's so cool. I feel like it's even helped. Maybe this is silly to say it, like help communication with like human to human, just because hundred percent being more patient and like yes. understanding. Yes. It's, it's so it's honestly, it's beautiful. Like the communication with a dog. Um, and for me, I've just, yeah, I've learned so much. Cause I've never had like a rescue dog and I know they're a little bit different than maybe puppies, mm. for example. Um, so I think, yeah, I thought I was, I always thought it was, really interested in getting into dog training. So that's really cool. It is, it
1: is yeah. fascinating. Like I, I, and that's why I love to do it because it's always different, you know, like w- when you have a puppy and you have a dog, um, you build that communication, whether you do a good job or not, you build whatever level of communication that you want with that dog. When you have a, a, a dog that's come from a shelter or a rescue or a street, whatever it is, like they have no level of communication with you, maybe mm-hmm. with somebody else they do, but you have to rebuild that. And that, that takes you to just be like blank slate. What are we working with? How do we do this? Let's figure it out. Um, and I, I think that if you can approach the world like that and approach relationship with people like that, people will have better relationships because you're not judging and you're not coming in with preconceived notions and you're not jaded from this person to that person. And, and you just kind of say, hey, face value, what are we working with? What can we do? And how can we build this relationship? And I think that's, to me, the coolest thing about dog training.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I had, I well, Jordan and I rescued the dog together. So building that, bringing in like another dog with us in the relationship. Yeah was definitely like it changed our relationship but for the better obviously for sure so i think when we say like what's our proudest accomplishment obviously it's like having a dog together yeah being able to have like a like a well-trained dog i think
1: absolutely it's a lot of work it takes a lot out of you and to do it right you know and if anybody ever tells you that having a dog is easy like they're not doing it right or they got lucky because there are a lot of dogs out there that just sleep all day long yeah um but it's a lot of work and so i always think you know kudos to you both you guys you guys did really good um and you're doing really good so keep it up because it's it's on you it's on you your success is on you so good job
0: thank you um i want to get into rapid fires and yep. the episode okay um first one if you had fifty thousand dollars for like a home reno and you could only put it towards one room what would the room be kitchen kitchen okay if i
1: if i didn't have a workshop if i had a workshop workshop 100 yeah. okay so
0: like, like you're thinking big kitchen well, i mean fifty thousand dollars in a kitchen it can.
1: It go way, hopefully way. It goes a long way but yeah. but things go pretty quickly these days um yeah i'd love to cook um i don't do it as much because i live in a crappy apartment with a kitchen the size of a bathtub um so it's really annoying to kind of cook in there but yeah i love having like an island and, and a gas stove and like a big sink like yeah that's my dream and to have to have the kitchen look out to like the living room area yeah. um and so you can entertain I have like a bar around the kitchen that's yeah, one day I would say it. the same
0: our, our kitchen's so tiny and Jordan's a chef and he's like oh is he okay yeah. I do yeah. so he needs like the space so I want yes. the kitchen so he can cook and then I cool just... there you go it's <laughs> so
1: selfish but also
0: beneficial for <laughs> both us. <Yes. laughs> yes. exactly okay um what's the favorite pottery piece that you've made you've talked about like what you made for your mom but is there one that kind of stands out
1: um Oh, that's a really good question. I know that there is. um, And it should just pop out. Recently, I have made some work that I'm super proud of. um, But there are some mugs that my mom has. There's, There's one or two mugs in particular. that There's something about them that every time I hold them, I'm just like proud of the way they feel in my hands. And they were some of like the first mugs, first things I put handles on and stuff like that. And like, I can look at it and I can, you know, critique it. And this is not as good or whatever. But like, there's such an honesty in those pieces. Um, And uh, to me, that is the most beautiful thing about pottery is the the honesty and the purity of just creating something. Um, now I'm in a stage where I'm making like much larger and bigger things and the more complex forms. And I'm starting to add a different techniques and that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm starting to become a much more proud of the work that I'm creating now because it's much more um, personal to me and I'm no longer like conscious of what people think about it. And I'm just making stuff that I like. Um, but I will, I will always look back with extreme fondness over the crappiest little mugs that I made because they're, they're pure.
0: Yes love that okay two more questions uh what compliment do you receive the most
1: (laughs) um people tell me that i'm very lively um i'm very energetic and and uh fun um which is true i am definitely am um but sometimes that's like a social crutch you know i do that to to like just to ease the things around me but um yeah i I think that's what people say is that i'm a a very outgoing guy and fun facilitating good times
0: yes okay um and last question uh, what do you wish people asked you more often? How oh, I'm doing?
1: No <laughs> Um
0: So many people uh, have that <laughs> answer and that's so, that's so fine. That's so fine. No. Um,
1: I've had a really hard time asking for help mm-hmm. uh, in my life. I've gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've found that like, it's profound when somebody just stops and says, hey, is there anything I can help you with? Like, what do you, what do you need? You know, whether it's, personal life or or work or whatever it is like people that just ask what can I do to help how can I be you know beneficial to you in this particular circumstance from a genuine point of view and and not just trying to like can I help you and so I can get something to me that's always like just kind of takes you aback because like when somebody asks that in a genuine way you kind of have to pause and be like what do I actually need help with and do I actually want to take the time to you know get help from this person and so i wish i wish more people did that but only if it's from a genuine right. yes perspective yeah
0: yeah i agree well thank you so much again for the thank second you. time around yes we're back and we're better
1: <laughs> we're here yeah and we we crushed it so thank you so much for having me it's really cool and, and uh, i really appreciate all the really questions in the, the chat so
0: of course, yeah. Yep. And where can everyone find Mudlab if they want to take a class?
1: Yes, um, mudlab uh, at mudlab.ca is our Instagram, mudlab.ca is our website. Um, hit us up there. All our class info information is there. Most things are almost so, all sold out. We have uh, we have a new class called Mud Light, which is like the one-off class that you can do. Um, and uh, definitely sign up for that if you just want to try pottery and get your get your hands muddy, as we say. Um, but yeah, you yeah, should be able to find us on Instagram pretty easily.